Hey, Business Building Warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio, the podcast that brings you hundreds of success stories from your fellow Amazon sellers, most of whom, actually all of whom, hang out in a free Facebook group at silentgym.com, all of whom are students of the proven Amazon course. And many of those success stories that you hear on this program have been coached by our team as well. And that leads me into an introduction to a couple of the great coaching team leaders on our team. We've got about 60 coaches around here. They're divided up into some team leader groups. And two of those great leaders are going to host the show today. They're going to talk about making good inventory decisions, buying good inventory based on the strategies we teach in the Proven Amazon course to 99% of all new Amazon sellers. If you haven't heard me say it in a while, I'll say it again right now. 99% of all new Amazon sellers should be starting out with the strategies that allow you to put money in the bank while you learn how to sell on Amazon. That's the replens system. There's no reason to test big and hope it all works out someday. Spend a ton of money on inventory and hope it all plays out in your favor nine months or a year from now. Once you're experienced, Once you've matured into your Amazon business a little bit, yeah, we'd love to teach you those strategies. But far too many new sellers start there, unfortunately, and end up wasting a lot of time, energy, money, and get burned out and think it's just a big waste of time. Well, we've got hundreds of recent success stories on this podcast that shows you that that's not the case. If you get into our Facebook group, for example, our free group, there's a link at silentgym.com. You'll see about 1,500 tagged success stories from students who are doing Amazon a very different way. And we'd love to talk to you about that today. It's the Amazon replens system as developed and taught and constantly updated inside the proven Amazon course. So again, two of our great coaches are going to be hosting the show today, looking over the notes of what they covered. It's a fantastic topic. So you're going to hear from Brian Olson and Robin Joy in just a moment, talking about making good inventory decisions. How deep should I go on any given product? When is it time to abandon a product? How do I abandon a product properly and get rid of those unwanted products? What's the best strategy for avoiding ever going too deep into any given replan or product? It's a great conversation. They cover a lot of other good ground as well. You're really going to enjoy it. So I'm going to cut myself off right here and turn it over to them here in just a moment. One last reminder, keep an eye on theprovenconference.com. That's three words, theprovenconference.com. July 6th through 8th, we will be announcing the city very soon. I promise it's a Midwest location within easy driving distance for a very large portion of our community. If you missed it last year, you know, 550 people or so gather in Louisville, Kentucky. That was last year, 2022. But 2023, July 6th through 8th, We're gathering in another Midwest location. It's going to be a phenomenal event. We already have about 35 breakout sessions planned from the great leaders on our team, the successful coaches and students from our community. You do not want to miss this event. It's going to be an incredible, it's going to be an incredible experience on its own, but the content is going to be amazing this year. So many great things happening. So plan on being there. July 6th through 8th, theprovenconference.com. All right, that's enough of me. Let's jump over and talk to our coaches, two of our great coaching leaders from our team, talk about managing your inventory levels. Enjoy. 
Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your hosts, Brian Olson and... Robin Joy. How are you? Robin Joy. And uh, welcome back to Coach's Corner. Uh, We like to kick off all of our Coach's Corner with a little bit of news. Yeah. What's the news, Brian? So the news this episode is the uh, new, fairly new ability to group your buyer-seller messaging into cases. So if you've ever gone back and forth with a client on buyer-seller messaging... They've, for instance, ask you a question about your product, or maybe you're doing a refund, or they've got a question about your return policy, something like that. That just can kind of drag on, and it it doesn't actually keep in its own thread. It's kind of hard. It can be hard to keep track of if you've got multiple buyer seller messages going on. Mm-hmm. So this new feature, which you have to opt into, allows you to take all those buyer seller messages and group them into a case. And so now all the messages that you are having with that buyer or seller are, or actually you're the seller with the buyer, (laughs) um, are grouped into this case. And when you're all done, you can mark the case as resolved. Now, that sounds great. Like it's almost like a ticket tracking system, right? The benefit here is once you mark that as resolved, if you get further communication from that same buyer, it won't be in that case. It's going to show up as new. Oh, so, okay. That's a good to know. Yeah. So if if they have a new issue that you're going to have multiple interactions on, perhaps you make a new case for that and keep all the messages with that uh, buyer in that case. And when you're all done, then mark that case as resolved. Makes okay. sense? Sounds good. It, it sounds like something that we're going to uh, experiment with and kind of figure out how the best way to use that is. So interesting. I'm glad to know that that's coming up. And you have to opt in. It's not enabled by default. So, okay. And it's not available for everyone just yet. So, okay. So they're kind of rolling it out. Yeah. Okay. Sounds right. All right. So, uh, Rob and Joy, I know you've had more than a handful of uh, coaching sessions this week. What's a hot tip? Well, you know, we're coming off of off of Q4, and those, especially clients who just started just before right at Q4, are seeing some differences that they didn't expect because you know. When you don't have any any history to draw from, you kind of are still getting that experience. And we know that Q4 can be a bit of a different animal. However, these things can happen at any time during the year. We know this because they've happened to us. What has been what I've been hearing some of is that sales after the holiday just kind of fell off, and all of a sudden. They're not nearly as fast as they were during Q4. This can happen even during replans if you break your own rules. I know I have certain rules from my experience that I don't go any deeper than you know a certain number of items per ASIN on the replans. Now, that's different in, in other strategies, but in replans, don't go over a certain number of ASINs of, uh, sorry, items quantity of an item at a time. Now, I may send that same amount every week, but I won't send too many at a time. It seems like every time I do, something happens to that listing or, you know, somebody comes on and they all of a sudden they can sell it for half of what I can even break even at. And uh, so I just try never to break that rule. But when you're new, you kind of don't know what that rule is for yourself. And you're chugging along and it's Q4 and everything's just selling, selling, selling. And I can't keep it full. I just keep selling more and more and more. And I don't know how many to send. And then all of a sudden Q4 is over 
And some of those last ones got received. And all of a sudden I'm stuck with, you know, 60 of them in stock and I can't get rid of them because price went down. It's not selling as fast. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm stuck with those. So that's kind of the issue that I've been hearing a little bit about. And a lot of that has to do with Q4. But like I said, it can happen anytime during the year, uh, especially with replants. Yeah, I would say breaking the rules can happen anytime, right? <laughs> um, it just yeah. so happens that we're dealing with this right now. We've, we've, I'm not going to call, call them by name, but we've got a coaching client who is in this very situation, right? Mm-hmm. They were buying this particular ASIN and they could every time they sent it in, it would sell out. And so they're like, oh, maybe we need to buy more. So they kept upping their buy quantity and buy quantity. All of a sudden they've got a ton. Or then then they're asking themselves on January, you know, middle of January, how did I end up so deep in this one ASIN? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are some different ways to look at that. And I know you've got you've got one of the ways that's my favorite to tell people that. But let me just say as we're talking about these things and many of the things that we talk about in the coach's corner, we know this not because, you know, there's some written rule out there, but we've done it. We've gotten in trouble by going too deep in stuff. We've gotten in trouble by not staying consistent with our shipments. Most of the things that we're pretty, you know, these are things that can happen. We know this because it's happened to us. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we're not, We, we speak from personal experience. Ask yes. us how we know, right? We say that a lot. Ask so. us how we know. Yep. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm a storyteller. So I'll just tell a quick story here on this. We had this one ace and that we were the only, we weren't the only ones, but it was, I'll say it was flying under the radar for a long time, mm-hmm. nine months, 10 months. And we virtually had no competition. And we were always on the hunt for this thing. It was an, it was an RA item. And whenever we were in the store, we were just buying as much as we could get. Yeah, we had people we all get. over the country buying it and sending yeah, it in for yeah, us. Mul- yeah. yeah, we're we're shopping in multiple uh, places across the country. We're sending in this person sending in twelve, this person sending in eight. We're sending in twelve. You know, and, and, and we were selling out of it as fast as we could get in there, right? For and a period of time. For a period of time. <laughs> for a for a fairly long period of time. And then yeah. what happened? What happened? I suspect I can't prove it. Is that it made a a, a list? It made a shopping mm-hmm. list somewhere, or a buyer's mm-hmm. list. And all of a sudden, it went from a barely consistent, you know, like three or four sellers on the listing to 40 or 50 sellers. And then it's all of a sudden selling for my buy cost, right? Yeah, because that that puts a lot of pressure on the price. Right. So what did we do? And what would most people do when you're faced with the situation? So one of the things I like to do is do some analysis on this upfront. How many of these have I sold from day one? How much mm-hmm. profit have I made from day one? On this it, ASIN particular, Just on this one ASIN, right? Mm-hmm. And am I able to lower my price to a point where I can sell out of the inventory and still be profitable overall on the ASIN? Now, mm-hmm. what does this mean? I, it means that I may be selling some items at what appear to be a loss. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say I was making eight dollars per sale on that one ASIN, and now if I am going to match the buy box, and this is not a you know fast moving ASIN example, um, but if I was going to match the buy box and I'm selling it for a two dollar loss, how mm-hmm. many of those two dollar losses can I sustain and remain profitable overall? Right. Mm-hmm. That's my first question. I, I like mm-hmm. to preserve as much profit as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, personal, I'd like to recoup all my capital. 
make sure I've reduced right. all my capital and, and preserve as much profit as I can. But I also want to get as much capital back as I can because I don't want to be in that ASIN anymore because I can't make any money on it, right? Right. So let me just clarify. So you're talking yeah. about an ASIN that has that has kind of gone through the cycle and it lasted, it was good for a long time and now it's not anymore. And my feeling is, my anecdotal feeling is, if I have to lower my price to where I can sell out of it, I'm going to lose money. Where I might lose money right now on these most recent ones that I bought, but overall, the body of what I've sold, you're going to look at the profit on the whole thing together. Is that right? Exactly right. Right. So I have a a slide that I present often to coaching clients to that illustrates this example, which I'm not going to share here, but it will, it kind of shows, you know, your profit, the longer, when you first start selling the item, your profit goes, goes up. And then assuming it starts to move against us, right. Then the profit Mm -hmm. kind of plateaus and it starts to come down and Mm -hmm. it can, if you continue to sell it at the price where, you know, you are losing money on a sale. Mm -hmm. The point of this illustration is, it's okay, I think, we believe, and this is the way we treat our business, to lose money on a sale so long as I remain profitable overall. And that's the point of this story. And that fits with inch deep, mile wide with ASINs. If I, if I lose money on one, I'm probably making money overall over all of my ASINs. If I lose money on one sale of this ASIN or some sales of this ASIN, I've hopefully made money overall on this ASIN. And it's it, if you look at it as a body of work, maybe maybe you're not losing money after all. Great, great example. I mean, we're pretty good at this these days, right? Yeah. We, we can pick, uh, not pick, it's not like we're randomly picking, but we can identify <laughs> these ASINs that we can make money on and, and our tests are generally successful. It happens that we get hit out of the blue like, the same day that we sourced that, it made a, a shopping list or something like that. And all of a sudden, we weren't the only ones to find it. And okay, it didn't work in our favor. That is going to happen sure. um, on occasion, right? But overall, we're going to be, we've mitigated our risk by the replant strategy. So it fits in yeah. that low risk um, thing that I know, the low, low, high that you've become, yep. become famous for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, we call that the sales arc, right? The sales arc is yeah. okay. I've made money on all these items that I've sold, and if I can still be profitable overall, it might be worth it for me to go ahead and and lower my price, even though I may lose money on on some sales. If I remain profitable overall, that's the goal. Now, right. what if that doesn't work? What if you cannot, you know, get out of that being profitable following that thought process? Or if you want to try to conserve a little bit more of that profit, are there other things you can do? Yes. Well, we, a while back, put together a list of exit strategies. Just at a high level, there are probably many more than these, but uh, we put together kind of a list of where can we go if lowering our price is not going to work for us. Now, keep in mind, uh, I do want to point out that what, the longer you let that item sit there in the warehouse, the more it's going to cost you. So there's going to be a common time that not only do you not make money, but you're actually paying to get rid of it. So keep that in mind when you're looking at your overall arc and when you should lower your price. Mm-hmm. So of course, uh, like we just talked about, the first place we're going to go, the easiest place to go is lower your price. Get your capital back so you can put it into something else. And as long as overall you were making money, not a bad strategy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first place we go. 
Another place we go is to sell that item on another platform. So I'm talking about eBay, Walmart, Facebook Marketplace, Mercari, Craigslist, you know, whatever, whatever platform you have available to you. With the multi-channel fulfillment from Amazon, you can sell this item. You can have it listed on eBay at the same time you have it in an FBA warehouse and have it listed both places. If it sells on eBay, you take it out of your inventory in Amazon and send it straight from the Amazon warehouse to your eBay customer or whatever customer that is. That's another way that can be a very low cost way of moving that product. Right. Now, just to be clear, we don't sell on Walmart. So I don't, we don't. I, I can only uh, tell you secondhand, but you're, uh, I think it's against the Walmart terms of service to use Amazon multi channel fulfillment to fill your Walmart orders. Yeah. So tread oh, with okay. caution there. But True. you can absolutely then, use the multi-channel fulfillment for eBay, Facebook Marketplace, Mercari, Craigslist. Yeah, I would say to that, as usual, make sure you check any terms of service before you use a platform. We don't know all the terms of services for all the platforms. I know that we use eBay and that's really sometimes Facebook Marketplace, but that's really the only other platforms that we have experience in and we have very mm-hmm. little experience there. So these right. are just ideas. Yeah. Another thing that you can do for an exit strategy is recall that item, have it sent back to you from the FBA warehouse and return it to the supplier. If you bought it at Walmart, have it recalled and take it back to Walmart and get your money back. That yeah, is an that, option. So the only thing to be aware of there is you will pay a fee to have the item or items recalled. Now, that fee varies depending on the size of the item. Yeah, back in the old old days, it was like 50 cents an item to have it recalled to you. Today, I've seen it as low as 75 cents, but it can be a dollar, dollar fifty. But you know, maybe if you want to test that, what is the recall fee going to be? Is it worth it? You have to take that into account. Right. So if you're recalling and returning, you are going to be out the amount of inbound transportation that you spent to send it into Amazon and then mm-hmm. also out the return fee that uh, you're going to pay to Amazon to get it back. Right. So take these things all into consideration before you decide to do anything other than just lower your price. Right. And which and can this, still be the best way to go. It certainly can. That's what you, great point. You should be taking those fees into consideration when you're considering what is my lowest price. Because mm-hmm. if you were going to recall and return and mm-hmm. you were at the end of that only able to recoup 90% of your capital then why don't you find that 90% price would that allow you to sell it, to it on Amazon? Right. Yeah. yeah take that take into consideration. Into yep. Yeah. Great point. Great point. So take all of those costs that you've already paid or you're going to pay if you choose one of these exit strategies yep. into account. Because I find that most of the time I still just lower my price, even if it's lower than what I paid for it, because I'm not spending any more money than I would to use one of these other strategies and it's so much easier just to lower my price. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not everybody's going to feel the same way. We're just, we're just telling you, you know, what our experience has been. And we certainly do not have more, more experience than a lot of the people who are doing this. So listen to your coach. If you have a coach, your situation is going to be your situation. If you have a coach that you're working with through the Jim Cochran program, you're working with someone personally, hand in hand, who's looking at your business and your book of business, and they're going to help you make that decision. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's still ultimately your decision. 
right? Your coach can give you advice and recommendation, but ultimately it's going to be your call. One more thing I wanted to point out here. When you're taking all these things into consideration for your cost, and we were talking about the return fee, the inbound transportation fee, you mentioned the storage fee. I don't think, I think a lot of people overlook the storage fee. Uh, Unless you're selling very small items that cost pennies per month to store, it can start to add up. And all of a sudden, your cost basis, the longer that item sits in inventory, goes up every month too, right? Mm -hmm. Not only did you pay for the item and you pay to send it in, then you're paying storage fees every month as well. Now Mm -hmm. your cost basis is going up, which means you need to sell it for more to make, uh, to break even or potentially make profit. So make sure you're accounting for all that. Yes, good point. And I would would go even further to say that the impact on your account health, your IPI score for letting it sit there if you just refuse to let it move until you get your price, there could be other costs that are not as clear as the cost of the storage fee or the sale price. You know, and that's a great point. And, you know, we probably should have or could have prefaced this conversation with your first your first stop is always Keepa. What does Keepa say is going to happen here? Yeah. Right? Does yeah. this thing have a history of cycling? If it does, can you wait it out until everyone else goes away? Yeah. But factor mm-hmm. in your storage fees and all that and, and mm-hmm. make sure that you're accounting for that. It seems like for the most part, when it has happened to us, it's unprecedented. We've never seen the amount of sellers that have been that ace and it's never been that low of a price. And then you're in unknown territory. It becomes impossible to prove out, right? It's not proven right. at that point. Right. Yeah, so, you don't um, know. Yeah. But if you can go back to keep it and get clues like, okay, it looks like if I hold on to this for another six weeks, I'm going to be able to sell it for my price. That's great. Make that yeah. call right? Don't get too antsy about it. That is a good point. Don't just go running from things. You know, they can cycle. People run out of stock. You can, and Amazon even runs out of stock if Amazon came on it. So Mm -hmm. there are things to look at and experience will help you there. And when, until you have the experience, ask people who do have the experience and get some advice, get some advice from different places and make, make your decision based on that. Good point. I like that a lot. So what, what's our next option here? Okay, another option would be to recall the item and repackage it, send it in on a different ASIN. So let's say I have a three-pack of cake mix that the ASIN went bad on me and I can't get rid of it. I've got to recall it. But there's a six-pack out there that is selling really nicely for a really nice price. So I can recall that, reconfigure that packaging, send it in on the six-pack ASIN. Love that. Love that. And in one of the more recent podcast episodes, a series of episodes, actually, we've heard Jim talk about the bag of marshmallows that is all over mm-hmm. Amazon. It's not just in a one pack. It's not just in a three pack. It's in a hot cocoa bundle. It's in a, in a s'mores bundle. It's in, you know, it's all in all these different places. You know, you might find that 10 ounce bag of marshmallows on 40 listings. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be creative sometimes in the way that you're searching for those ASINs in order to mm-hmm. figure to find all of your options there. But I do, I love the recall and repackage and I can't tell you how many times we've done that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. the story I told earlier about we were, you know, buying, uh, sending all these things in and then the item made a list and there we were with 44 items in stock. Oh, shoot. And there's no way. It was unprecedented. We didn't know mm-hmm. how long it was going to take. What did mm-hmm. we do? Recall that, reconfigure it, sent it on a different ASIN. It was yep. it was super easy to do. We still made money overall on that ASIN because the other, uh, I mean, on that product, because the other ASINs we were sending in on were profitable as well. Yep, agreed. And so 
that is a really good way to do it if you can find another ASIN to send it in on. It kind of goes against the uh, only touch the product, you know, as few times as you have to. Like, you know, you pick it up in the store or, you know, have it sent to your house or whatever. You don't want to touch it any more times than you have to because it, mm-hmm. it creates inefficiencies in your business. So it is a little frustrating when you have to recall it, touch it again, put it into a different package and send it back in. But it really gets the creative wheels flowing, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about some of your other options. On that note, I want to make sure that it's clear that this shouldn't be happening to you 90% of the of the time. This is a small percentage of the time, but it feels big when it happens. It feels big and you do have to make put some more work into it to figure out what you're going to do. So it's going to happen. It just it shouldn't be happening all the time. If if it is, then you you should get some help. Also, take into account we we are taking into account that if you're using a prep center and you don't touch the product at all, this is could put a cog in your wheels, right? Be, so you have to figure out how to manage that. Do you have it sent to to you? Those people in you know outside the country are probably not going to be able to do that. Do you have a prep center that will repackage it for you or take it back to the store for you or something like that? Those are challenges that you, that are unique to that situation that you'll have to overcome. We do understand that as well. Yeah, and some yeah. of these things won't work for you. Yeah, definitely a fly in the ointment if that's the case. A lot of the uh, prep centers that, we're, that we've heard of will mm-hmm. handle those returns for you. Not I think take it back starting... to the store, but you can have it recalled there and then send it down on a different ASIN. They're usually willing to do that. Yeah. So talk to your prep center. There's no you know, standard there, but we are hearing more and more that they're willing to do those kinds of things. Yep. So good. All right. Good. What if all else fails? What do we do with these products? Well, and it might not even be a, a break glass situation. It may be the thing that feels the best to you, which is recall it and donate it to a food bank or a, a church or a toy drive or, you know, donate it in some way that can feel really good. I know sometimes that I feel really good about the fact that I've made money on this ASIN altogether. Then I got stuck with a few, but overall I've made money according to, you know, your arc. Mm-hmm. And so then those extra ones, I've got them and it just makes it really easy for me to drop those off at the daycare down the street or send it to the food bank or, you know, whatever outlet you church or a homeless shelter, whatever outlets you have mm-hmm. that can feel really good. Mm-hmm. And then I know that some people write that off. You can ask your accountant if you can write that inventory off and what the rules are there. I don't know exactly my accountant handles that. I just tell her how many I did that with, but you know, that can be of benefit as well and reco- recover some of your some of your capital where at least you don't have to pay taxes on it. Mm-hmm. How about recall it and eat it? I like that one when it's candy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of gummies. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's a great idea. You're having a party or you have, uh, you know, friends over. Well, you go into somebody's house and you want to take a gift. Well, you got a you know couple of boxes of cookies right here. You know, take them with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is absolutely an option. You have kids, and this is stuff that you you normally would use or that they would play with if it's a toy or they would wear. Then absolutely use it for your own benefit. That's another way to do it. Yep. You probably got a pretty good. You probably got found a good supplier for that that gives you a good price. So 
something that, you know, might be inexpensive for your family in the first place. Yep. Great point. All right. Well, all great exit strategies. And keep in mind how... I'm sure there are hundreds more. <laughs> I know. Uh, how profitable you are overall. I mean, mm-hmm. if you didn't get to sell any and it went against you, then you're kind of left with the other uh, exit strategies. The sales, overall sales arc doesn't necessarily work sure. for you very well in that scenario. But what solves this problem in the long run? More, More ASINs. ASINs, right. If this More happens ASINs. on one out of 100, you don't really feel it. It's it's fairly inconsequential. But if it happens on one out of five or one out of 10, then it starts to impact your business a little bit. So right. go wider. Yeah. Go right? wider. Keep your sourcing. Go wider. Be disciplined with your sourcing. Keep adding Keep items testing to your new list. products. Yep. yep. All the time. All the time. All right. Well, great. this is great. Love this topic. Um, I think it's yeah. very uh, applicable to the time that we are in. Although, as we say, it can happen any time of the year. Any time. Yes, uh, yes. Just to, when you start to get a little bit confident, especially when you're newer, mm-hmm. this can. So, just word of caution out there, right? Be careful about going too deep. Instead of buying more of something else, maybe find just go get a new ace. Yep. All right, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I think it's been a, it's been a good session. Thanks, Brian. Excellent. Thank you, Robin Joy. We'll talk soon. Have a great a great one. Thanks you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you enjoyed the episode, but before I let you go, I want to spend a couple moments again with my good friend Mr. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com. He's our go-to expert around here for all things Amazon legal, and he's always got great stories and lessons for us. What do you got for us this week, Jeff? So this week, I had an interesting conversation with a good friend of mine. He's actually the person who got me into selling on Amazon. And he was the sales rep for the pet shampoo company. And his name is Vince. And so we'll, so that's so when I talk about Vincent, that's who I'm referring to throughout the rest of the story. But um, I want to talk about how, you know, how leveraging personal you know, friendships and mentorships can turn into million-dollar business opportunities, especially in the wholesale arena. So that sounds great. Yeah. The, the personal contact. Absolutely. So some of y'all remember my podcast. I started selling on Amazon in 2011. And when that happened, it was because Vincent, you know, suggested that we sell his company's pet shampoo on Amazon and see where it went. Well, fast forward, it started doing really well. And as we grew, we started carrying more than just Vincent's line of pet shampoo. And so over time, we landed several other pet shampoo companies, even had a company that we we're about to work with that sold, you know, cattle products and just, you know, kind of grew just you know, organic growth. Really what what the key takeaway though is, you know, I was talking to Vincent this week, he said, you know, about people reaching out to him. And he said an interesting statistic. He said they get 10 emails a day at their pet shampoo, their little pet shampoo company. And you know, 10 emails a day doesn't sound like much, but they've only got three employees. So it's a, you know, it's it's a decent number of emails coming in. And they get 10 emails a day from Amazon sellers who always say the same thing. I found your product on XYZ resource, you know, Smart Scout, Tactical Arbitrage, whatever it may be, and see that you're selling on Amazon. We want to sell your product on Amazon and make money. How do we, you know, how do we buy your product? (laughs) This is basically, you know, you boil down the 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 email into that, those, you know, basic components there. And Vincent's response to that is. No response needed. <laughs> you know, like, of course. And so, and and I said, well, that's fascinating because I know you guys have about you know seven to ten Amazon sellers that sell your products regularly. Why did you choose those people? And he goes, Well, it's simple. The people that we chose all had a story. 
And they're like, and that's, and their story was either that we knew them like the way I knew them from, you know, since I was seven years old. So they wanted me to sell their product, you know, me to just Jeff to sell their products because of that. Or he knew them because you know, they were longtime, you know, business partners, or they had an interesting story, meaning like one of their sellers reached out to Vincent and said, Hey, we've been using your products for our dogs for the last year. And they've helped them so tremendously. We use this one, we use this one, we use this one. And it just really has helped their quality of life. How do you, I also sell on Amazon and here's our, some information about what we do on Amazon. How do we work together to make sure other pet owners get to experience y'all's products? Well, that one got a response and now he's, that person's an authorized seller. So, you know, so the key takeaway, you know, is when you're thinking about wholesale, it's obviously great to, to try to broaden your scope. But you can also broaden your scope with products you use on you know on a regular basis. You know, you may find that you really like a certain product, or maybe your kid uses a certain brand of of product in their you know in school, and you see that it could be sold on Amazon. Those are personal, you know, perfect personal stories to to leverage because you know you're their target customer, but you're also could be their target you know uh, vendor because you know how to sell. Because who better to sell a product than somebody who uses it? Yeah, so. and just put yourself in the position of someone who's being approached consistently by Amazon sellers. Now, I don't want to leave the impression that all the wholesale companies are inundated all day, every day by Amazon sellers. That's not yeah. the case. There's new products, new wholesale companies emerging constantly. The Only a tiny fraction of all the products that could be on Amazon are on Amazon. New ones are right. introduced by the thousands daily. But yeah. if you're hitting up one of these wholesalers who's been hit up a lot already, how do you set yourself apart? And you gave us some really good tips. Include a story, think relationship, prove that you're interested yeah. in the product. It's not just a template email that you're firing out 500 a day. It's yeah. you actually are interested in building a relationship. And I can say, I mean, it's a consistent theme on this program every two or three episodes. You know, we don't go two or three episodes without talking about the importance of relationships in building any business, let alone something impersonal like e commerce. You've got to maybe step in. And one of the other tips I would give is, Get on the phone if at all possible. Email is very impersonal. You know, say, hey, Correct. Guys, I, any chance I could set up a phone call and have a conversation so you can, you know, or a Zoom even better. And so I can convey the passion I have for your product. I'm super interested in learning more and, and helping you sell more. And I'm the right guy that you should bring into your, into your company to help you do some big things. So that sets you apart, those little things. Yeah. And even something too, you know, when you talk about that as well, jump on a plane. You can, you know, if you're a United States seller and you live in the continental United States, you can either jump in a car or jump on a plane and be to most major trade shows within usually about four hours or so. It's you know it's you're not going to travel that much far further than that unless you're going from like Miami to Los Angeles. I mean, obviously, there's some exceptions to that statement, but you know you can jump yeah. on a plane, jump in a car, be there in a couple hours, and go and meet people and shake hands. So like you know talking about the cattle company. I was at a trade show in Las Vegas and Vincent was there and I was talking to him about, you know, the sales prospects for how we're going to keep growing their brand on Amazon. And he goes, Hey, you know, you, you, I forgot to tell you, I've been wanting to introduce you to these other people. And so he just starts walking me around now. And of course, Vincent's a, you know, probably what 40 year in industry veteran, you know, the pet care space. So he knows a lot of people. And so he starts, you know, just going through his, you know, 
virtual mental Rolodex of Jeff needs to meet this person and this person and this person. I'm going to tell them about what Jeff's done. And so I just walked around with him for about two hours and he just started, you know, he had a stack of my cards and he's like, I need you to meet Jeff. Here's Jeff's Mm -hmm. card. You need to talk to him. And we got a lot of solid leads out of that because it's, you know, it took me from being just somebody like, in fact, one of the people I met was another guy named Jeff that was a brand manager for a big uh, animal company. And he, I'd emailed him before wanting to sell their products. And he just had said, nah, we're not interested at this time. I mean, that was all I got back. Well, Vincent introducing me to, you know, introducing Jeff to Jeff got me to become an authorized distributor for them. So it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, can, you know, big things happen when you make the right connections and you're, you, you show that you're willing to invest the time, because if you're willing to invest your time to, to jump on a plane, they know you're going to be willing to invest the time to, to, to do what it takes to sell their products. Absolutely. It reminds me, it's probably been a hundred episodes or so ago of this podcast, but we had a guy who lives in inner city, uh, New York, and he would look f- for box trucks with unusual brand names on them. And he would Google them. And if he couldn't find them on Google, he knew he may have a really a good winner there that had never been approached before. <laughs> so he <laughs> follow the trucks, figure out yeah. where they were and like go and knock on the front door persistently. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, and it had really paid off for him in big ways. Yeah, just taking the extra time to go that extra mile, build a relationship, put in the little extra work, it can really pay off. Once again, relationships are the key to to business success. That's the summary. Uh, But yeah, awesome stories. I love it, man. Always love having you on the the show, Jeff. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll have you back again real soon. For those who need a reminder, jeffschick.com. There's a link in the show notes today. He's a great sponsor of this program, but more importantly, he is our go-to legal expert for all things Amazon suspensions. Anytime you have legal issues of any kind, man, get this guy on retainer. It is a tremendous investment and you'll be shocked how low the price is. So great having you here, buddy. We'll do it again soon, okay? Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Bye then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.